0: Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Uh, we are going to stay in our theme about how to be an outstanding strategy consultant. And of course, you can see exactly how we run detailed corporate strategy studies by subscribing to the technology corporate strategy, which is relevant to all types of sectors, whether it's financial services or energy. You can see us live blog a financial services strategy project right on Firms Consulting right now. Hourly, daily, we post all of the steps we're taking, how we're analyzing the issues, we provide uh, quotes from clients, photos from the study, so it's a very immersive experience to learn how to be a strategy consultant, right? Now, today's podcast is about how you manage a client. And I thought I'd put this out there because I think that a lot of people... When they think about strategy consulting, they think about analytics and supply chain analysis and building financial models, and they're pretty bad at managing clients. And I would say, the, look, I was very good at numbers and analysis. I mean, I've got a background in physics, and I could model the hell out of something. But if you look at my financial models, they are not complicated. I've never put a macro into a model, and that's a fact. Now, a macro is a little program you put into Excel. In all my life as a management consultant, I've never put a macro. I've never used VLOOKUPs, nothing like that. My philosophy is that complex modeling is not complex because the model is complex. It's complex because of the way you've simplified the problem statement and simplified the model to answer a complex question in a simple way. That's how I define complexity. You know, in a a manner of speaking, a good model hides complexity. A lot of people, when they build financial models, they go to town building in these fancy features and being so part of it. I think it's a waste of time. As far as I'm concerned, the more complex your model is, the more you're wasting time. I would rather see simple models that answer complex questions in a simple way. I'd like to see how you took something that's really complex to understand and broke it down so that it's answering the complex question, but in a simple way. That, to me, is... Beautiful design, right? But um, too many consultants spend their time there. A skill they don't develop is managing clients. Now, you know, one of the interesting things about um, about all partners, and even if you listen to Kevin Coyne, you know, the hex co leader of McKinsey's Worldwide Strategy Pact, he'll tell you the same thing. When he was just 22, he made his career when he was able to build a very strong relationship with the chief operating officer of a Railway company. When I was also in my early 20s, I think roughly the same age, I may have been younger, but I can't remember. I think I was roughly the same age. I also made my career by being able to build um, a relationship with the chief operating officer of a very important client for the firm. And that's pretty much how I made my career. When I was only 25, the chief executive officer of a very large company refused to work with anyone. I mean, she... The lady didn't say, oh, I'm never going to hire this elite strategy consulting firm unless Michael was in." No, she didn't say that. But when the, when the work was being done, she trusted me. She would call me and she would want to speak to me in the evenings. She'd want to speak to me in the day and to test ideas with me. And it was a bit of she, she, she thought I was intelligent, but she was also a trust factor because I kind of tell it like I see it. I'm very respectful. I say, you know what? I think one of the things you have to be careful of is this because um, I think they may be abusing your your trust. The point is I'd be very, very candid with her without insulting her or making her feel small and, and also confidence. She, ha- she had confidence that I would never share anything with anybody. So she trusted me. And I don't know how surprised she was when she learned that I was only 25 at that age, right? At that stage. So... And she was a much older Executives running a very, very important global company. Uh, And she trusted me. She liked me. In fact, she wanted to hire me at one stage. And that's the model of my story. In fact, later on when I became a troubleshooter, when I became a partner and I was a troubleshooter at the firm, the firm used to send me all over the world to fix problems and client relationships in trouble. I had to find a way to build relationships with people, right? And I was good at that. You could send me anywhere. I have no ego. I'll just sit there and I'll build a relationship with you. Now, today's podcast is about how you build relationships with clients. And we'll talk about Guillermo because he's an interesting character. He's an ex-McKinsey associate, but he left a long time ago. So, you know, he's he's uh, he's more an executive than a McKinsey associate, but he still acts like a McKinsey associate to some extent. Um, but not a lot of extent he was only there for two years right so not substantive he's been there for two years and he's been in industry for something like 10 12 years he's forgotten most of the things I mean he he wasn't there long enough to even learn everything but he's now forgotten most of the few things he learned but he's an executive in his 40s or late 30s I think I haven't really checked his age and you know his career has done isn't done well but not great um, and He's obviously a mid-level executive. He's kind of a chief of staff role, special projects for the CEO, and he's looking for that big break. He's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. He's a very uh, thoughtful person, really cares about his work. But on the other hand, he, he's almost thinking to himself, you know, why did the CEO appoint Firms Consulting when they could have appointed Bain, who's here already, or they could have hired McKinsey or BCG? You know, yeah, sure, there's you know, Firms Consulting is made up of alumni of these firms, but, it's not the same as hiring those firms with they're substantially more res- vaster resources. So, you know, in the back of my head, I know that when he meets me the first time, how that meeting goes is going to play a big role in whether or not we have credibility with them or not. Now, my strategy when I meet someone for the first time is to do the opposite of overly building credibility. I understand that sometimes you just don't have the opportunity to build credibility in that meeting, so I don't try to do it. When I first meet someone, I try to build a relationship with them. I I don't do what other people do. I don't bring in slides. I don't dress up in a fancy suit. Well, okay, I do dress up in a fancy suit, but I don't come in there all stiff and saying, "Okay, we are the consultants. We have a rigorous process. We have experts from Harvard. We have a Nobel Prize winner on our advisory committee for the study." Anyway, not for the whole of firm's consulting, just for the interest of being clear. But just for this study, we do have a Nobel Prize winner advising us. I don't start off that way because. When you start off that way, the client sees you are trying too hard, and the people who try too hard lack confidence and don't think they are worthwhile. They're, so I don't start off that way. In fact, the first time I went to see Guillermo, I actually went to a um, bakery down the offices, one of my favorite bakeries, and I picked up these um, red velvet cupcakes. And I uh, found out from his assistant what kind of uh, coffee he drinks. Um, this um, coconut scented vanilla latte and i picked up two of those and i went to his office and i and i we had a general discussion about football and his career and so on but we never really discussed the project and that's actually counterintuitive because how does that build credibility because people don't understand what credibility is built on credibility is built on trust it's about connecting with someone my first objective is to connect with guillermo i'm not there to to get him to like us I'm not there to get him to believe we are better than Bain. I, I don't even think we're better than Bain. I don't even want him to think, to 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 in his mind, to have justified why firms consulting versus Bain or McKinsey or BCG. I want to connect with him. And I follow this disarming strategy all the time. You know, because I, I look young. I mean, anyone who meets me, they always wonder why I look so young. I'm always dressed up. And I try to disarm them, because I am very formal, by connecting with them on a personal basis. So you bring along these red velvet cupcakes, you have this nice um, vanilla latte with coconut scent, and we just have a discussion about you know what's happening, where things are going. And then only at the end, we come to the study and I say, you know, I know that uh, you haven't been involved with our uh, uh, um, appointment for the study, but what I do want to say is that uh, I want to make a commitment to you that because you are the appointment for the CEO in the study, I want you to be comfortable with what we're doing. So when you have some time, let's set up a follow-up meeting whereby I can talk you through our logic and I can understand what you think about the study. Now, why haven't I started with that study? It's a very simple reason. To motivate people, you have to give them what they want. It's a simple fact of life. You can't motivate people unless you give them what they want. Now, the first meeting with Guillermo is to see what he's interested is, in, to talk about his career, to talk about the company in general, so I can understand what Guillermo thinks about his career and what Guillermo wants on his career. Then, when I meet him later to talk to the study, I can think about how to position the study to both implicitly and explicitly give him what he wants. So for example, I realize that Guillermo is very disappointed that you know, he's made an offhanded comment once, that he's not so pleased with where he ended up after, you know, working so long in banking. And he is looking for an opportunity to potentially lead a unit within the bank and get more exposure to the board and so on. So I can see he's looking for an opportunity to show the board that he can lead something of substance. And my job is if I can do that in the study, I want to give him the platform to do that. And I want to do it explicitly and implicitly. In fact, I will set up separate discussions with Guillermo where we just have discussion, not about the study, but about about how the study... He's helping him reach his career goals. I've already had one such discussion with him yesterday. It didn't last very long because I didn't have much to talk about and he was busy. But you can see that he appreciates it, right? And of course, I'm not going to help him with his career if it hurts to study. He knows that because, you know, firms consulting's value system is quite in your face if you don't, you know, if you don't know about it, it's all over the documents we have and so on. It's in my little white book and so on. My point is this. When you want to engage clients, you have to have a lot of soft skills that you deploy. And it's like nothing like what they teach you in um, books and so on. You know, everything they teach you in blogs, in books, in self-confident books are for average people. It's for people who are actually mediocre and they want to come across to look strong. When you work for an elite firm, the things they teach you are very counterintuitive, right? In most firms, when you meet a client for the first time, they tend to be very organized, not waste the client's time, talk about business only, limited small talk, show the client you're disciplined, show the client you have a plan—all nonsense, actually. In fact, Kevin teaches when he was at McKinsey, he taught the associate training program, which is the opposite of that. If you go in to meet an executive, and you are so scared of wasting his time, you are implicitly signaling to that executive that you, the consultant, Thinks the executive is more important than yourself, the consultant. And by default, you're telling the consultant, you're telling the executive that you know what. I, the consultant, am not as important as you. I don't think I'm as important as you. So you're teaching the executive to treat you like you are less important. But if I can go in there and bring some cupcakes, take up thirty minutes to an hour of this guy's time, and not talk about the study, I'm actually signaling to him, you know what? I think we're, you know, I think that you are so important. That I want to learn about your career. I think we we have everything under control and we're at the same level with peers, so we don't have to waste a lot of time talking about the study. Everything's going fine. Let's learn about you. Let's talk about what you want and we can weave it into the study later. It's all uh, about signals. You know, Barry Nailbuff at the Yale School of Management study signaling theory in, in um, economics. And everything you do is about giving signals. You know, for example, you know, if you The way someone acts, what they speak about, how they dress, their mannerisms, how they prioritize things tells you more about that person than you could ever gain. If you 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 ask someone, how are you feeling? The insights you get from that answer is far less than the insights you get just from observing that person. So when you go in there to build a relationship with a client, remember, how can I put this in a way that makes sense? It, okay, I was a partner, a senior partner at one point. Which is before I left the firm, I was appointed director. In fact, on the day I was appointed director, I left. So, a junior person thinks that all I want to talk about is business. That's what a junior person thinks. They think all I want to talk about is business. But I'm a person as well. I want to talk about football. I want to talk about rugby. I want to talk about cricket. I want to talk about movies and so on, right? Now, someone who is terrified of me and only sees me in a business sense, who doesn't see me as a personal, will only discuss business issues with me. Someone who sees me as a person will discuss personal things with me. And when someone sees me as a person, it takes a lot of confidence to do that. Right? And someone who sees you as a person is your peer. And the first point of building a relationship with someone is that they must see you as a peer. If they don't see you as a peer, they'll delegate the relationship down to someone else. So it's a rule I've always used. I mean, the rule I use when, when I was 22 years old and I met an executive, not Mr. First Name Basis. I would call a CEO by his first name. And it's never ever, well, it's got me into trouble with some managers who thought I was stepping out of line. But to be honest, the clients had no issues with it and I built great relationships with them. So the point of this podcast is that to build a great relationship with a senior client, it's not about showing them how smart you are and so on. Because even if you are smart, people can still dislike you. It's about getting people to like you, and that is independent of your intellect. But what a lot of young consultants do is they think, oh my god, McKinsey is so intelligent, I just need to show I'm intelligent and they'll accept me like McKinsey. And no, that has nothing to do with it, right? It's about whether you can be likable, and that is independent of your intelligence. So always remember that as you are going out there and building your career. The likability factor is very, very important. As always, I'll be happy to respond to any comments, queries, and so on.